today I want to speak on the topic, what do you see? What do you see? And um, so I want us to start from the popular scriptures in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And I'll read from verse 22. Mark 8, 22. I read, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his, on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. 24. And he looked up, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So this was, I think, the only instance where we see that in um, while performing a miracle, while healing someone, the Lord Jesus had to do it two times. He had to touch him the first time. The first time he touched him, he healed him, like he spit on his face, touched his eyes, and then Jesus asked him, what do you see? Or um, how do you see? And then... Um, he asked him if he saw anything, and then he said that I see men, but as walking, that men were walking as trees. You know, if um, if we are to stop at that point, we would say that Jesus had healed him to an extent. Am I right? Because he wasn't in the same state that he was before he met Jesus, so he had been healed to an extent. But Jesus knew that it was dangerous to leave him in that state. Now imagine the man going after meeting Jesus and then seeing everything as trees. God forbid, I'm not the man, but if the man was standing here, what he would see is trees sitting. Like this would be like a plantation team. Apparently, if he doesn't see human beings well, that means he wouldn't see every other thing well. You probably see like this as a plantation. Maybe this is a sugarcane tree. This one is a sugarcane. <laughs> human beings, human beings would be like maybe trees with maybe watermelon on their heads or something like that. So that's that's how he would have seen. He would have seen the world. So Jesus knew that that was dangerous. This man would have, like different things. If he had seen ball, a ball, it would have looked like orange. If he had seen, yeah, it would have just been a distorted view of the world. So Jesus made sure he healed him the second time. He restored him to the state he was supposed to be. So it is very important that, that this is my, these are my first points and second points together now. What we see, number one, is very important to God. Then how we see is also very important to God. And um, if we see the book of um, Mark chapter 4, verse 24, Mark chapter 4, verse 24, 
give us an example of what I'm trying to say. Mark 4.24 says, um, And he said unto them, Take it what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto ye that hear shall more be given. So Mark chapter 4 verse 24 is saying, Be careful what you hear. But if we go to Luke chapter 8 verse 28, Luke 8 18, go to Luke 8 18, you see the same, almost like the same words, but you say, Take it therefore, how ye hear. For, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. So these verses are essentially saying the same thing. He that has, more will be given to him. But the difference, the major difference is that one was saying, be careful what you hear, and the other is saying, be careful how you hear. So in the same way, God is interested in what we see and how we see it. Just like, the, the, you know, the hearing is part of our senses, the sight is part of our senses, and I, I think I should get there. The, the, from, like, checking the scriptures, you'd see that the eyes and the ears are, like, some of the most important things in, um, in receiving miracles. You would see examples of um, people that were brought to Jesus at some point, they brought. Let me, let me. Maybe we should just read that now. Um, come in, please. Okay. So Matthew fifteen thirty. Forgive me. Matthew fifteen thirty. I just want sure since it's coming to my spirit now. Matthew 15, 30, he says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame. The first set of people that they brought, that he mentioned, were the lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed. The maimed are maybe people that can't use their hands, they have one infirmity or the other, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Then verse 31 says, In so much that the multitude wondered, when they saw the dumb to speak, so although it was the lame that were first brought, it was the dumb that first spoke. Then the maimed to be made whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. The blind were like the second set of people to come, but they were the last set of people to get healed. Because the eye gate is a very important part of, of, um, of, any, of receiving anything from God. Paul had to see that that man that was crippled, he, had, he saw that he had enough faith to be healed. That was when he called forth his healing, told him to stand up. So the eyes, and I've also figured the ears, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So those two, two, two parts of, this, of the body are very important to God in, 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 are very, and are very important to us in receiving whatever it is we need to receive from God. When the people that came from John the Baptist, you know, when John the Baptist began to doubt Jesus and then he sent his people to go and meet him, to go and meet Jesus, that are you the one we are expecting or should we be expecting another? What did Jesus say? He said, 
um, that they should take it to what they hear and see. Those are like the two things he said, what they hear and see. Then he started mentioning other things, uh, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, um, and all those other things that he mentioned. So the ears and the eyes are very important gates for us in receiving what God asks for us. If we confess, if we confess with our mouths, but the ears don't hear, it may be difficult for that person to hear. To hear. If, for instance, someone wants to go to Jesus, a person that has impediment in the ear, he wouldn't hear what Jesus is saying. So it would be something of sign. They would have to maybe make signs to him. And that is also using the eye gate. So if both the ears and the eyes, the person is blind and the person is deaf, it will be very difficult for the person to receive healing. It will be like divine sovereign intervention of God for that kind of person to get healed. Because he wouldn't see, he wouldn't hear. So, but today, thank God, because we have eyes that see and ears that hear. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Okay, so now, first of all, I want to talk of God is interested in how we see. So you see this man, there are like three stages. Like it's important how we see. Three stages. Number one, he was blind. Like he was blind. He could see, like, like I can say that the, 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 he had eyes, but he couldn't see. So I would say it's just like, Seen with total, like a veil that covers the whole eyes. You know, Jesus was saying that, um, be careful that the light that is in you is not darkness. So it was like this man was seen in darkness. It's just like someone walking in the dark now with eyes, but not seeing anything. That was like the, the, the first, that was the first stage with which he came in. He was seen but with a lens of total darkness. Then after Jesus healed him, then he began to see through a lens, let's say, he began to see dimly. You know, um, the Bible says now we see um, dimly, but then like our eyes will be opened perfectly and we will see clearly, even as we are known. We will know clearly even as we are known. So the second stage, he began to see dimly, began to see clearly. There was still a thin veil on his face. And um, for instance, if someone has a glasses that is just red, that is, uh, the lenses are red, you know, it will color everything that you see. So if you have, if you have glasses that are green, it, it distorts in terms of color whatever you see. So that was how it was seen the second time. But Jesus made sure that the third time, so that's the third stage now, he saw with clear, unveiled, perfect vision, perfect eyes. So he, he, he saw with light, like be careful that the light that is in you is not darkness. So he began to see with light as it should be. Okay. So um, as I was saying, what, how you see determines to a great extent what you would see. A person with cataract, for instance, I don't know how it looks like, but the person might not be able to see, or someone that maybe one eye doesn't see well, the person might not be able to see as we see. The person might, might have some issues with, um, 
like that kind of those kind of people i'm not sure they will be good marksmen like people that shoot maybe um snipers exactly thank you so a person with one eye i'm not sure will be a sniper there was this king that wanted to come and take um israelites captive i think it was during Saul's time that he said they would um i think pluck out the eyes maybe the right eye of those people or so he, the eye the right eye especially is very important for people going to war so if if um someone doesn't see right it would distort what you see okay so number two god is interested in what you see the classic example that i give is this um parable i think it's an indian parable of um three blind men that that were taken to an elephant so one was in one they are in three different parts but they were blind different versions of that story exist some will say they were uh they were they could see normally but maybe they blindfolded them and told them to describe what they were seeing so one was by the belly of the of the elephant so he was touching it he said ah, this is a wall or they had never seen an elephant before so they were just describing it to them so they eventually got to see to to meet the elephant so one was touching he said ah, this is a wall now the other one touched the trunk the trunk of the of the elephant so he said ah this is uh you could say something like this is a pipe or something touch the mouth so one would touch the tusk you say ah no this is a spear it's very it's very sharp and all one would touch the tail and it would say this is a rope you know because of the limited knowledge they had of um the elephant or of that because they like they didn't move around they just stayed where they were so that was how they could describe the animal but now imagine someone if there are people that could see normally and then someone like opening their eyes and making them see the elephant you know they would see the whole picture or someone that is um or maybe someone that is far away and then sees a field like for instance if someone is in a is uh, is in the midst of trees now he might say this is a forest but let's say that you take the person out and put him on a high hill he might just see that this is a bush just small bush or a small park that this is not really a forest so god is interested in how we see or in, in what we see so the vantage point from which we are looking at things the vantage point from which we are looking at situations is also very important if some people are talking of the end times some people will talk of the end times from um the place where like things are going to get terrible things are going to get damaged like the whole world will be in chaos and all some people will talk of it up to the point of say the millennial reign so you will end um okay we are going to reign with Christ we will have rule over cities over nations and all so all of them are right everyone is right but god wants us to see things from his perspective. God wants us because the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God wants us to see things as he is so are we in this world. God wants us to see things as he sees them. God sees the end from the beginning. So that's why God is not moved by a lot of things that move people because he, he knows what is going to happen. So God wants us to also see things, see people, see circumstances from his own angle from his vantage point god wants us to know the whole counsel of god concerning a matter if we take if we take things in isolation 
maybe based on what is happening right here, right now, we might make wrong decisions. There is this thing they call, there are two types of decisions. I think in business they say some are tactical decisions, some are strategic decisions. The tactical ones are short term. What can we do now to get results now? How can we change the situation now? Strategic are like more of long term decisions. So while we are, while we see things as they are now, as believers, God has given us that. He has given us His word. He has given us His the, everything we need to see things from a long term perspective. So God wants us to see things from the whole counsel of God point of view. And I pray God will bless us in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, based on that, um, as regards that point on what you see, I want you to write down Matthew 5, 48. That's where Jesus was saying that be therefore perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. So in vision, in what we see, in, um, in everything, God wants us to come to perfection. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, or around um, maybe from verse 11, he was saying that he mentioned the fivefold ministry offices, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teachers, that they would supply something to the body. Each of them would supply something to the body till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, till we all come to a perfect man, till we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that is what God wants of us. That measure of the stature of the fullness of the fullness of Christ. So Christ is the 100%, is the, is the, is the full measure of God. So God also wants us to come to that fullness. But then, um, each of the parts, like different parts, will, will have to contribute. So the Bible says we see in parts, I'm just digressing a bit, we see in parts, we understand in parts. Um, but when the full is come, we, then we shall see clearly and all that. So that you see in parts does not mean that you should not go searching for that part that is missing. I don't even get what I mean. So if, for instance, you are in a, a, a place where it's, the prophetic flow is, is much, if you are not careful, you will just go, one might just go a wire, just focusing on the on prophetic. There are, there are churches in Nigeria that we know of that started like that, maybe with prayers, lots of prayers, but they didn't dwell on doctrine. And before we knew what happened, witchcraft started happening because they, they, you get to a, they will get to a point where they begin to trust more in the visions than even the word of God. There was a time, I think, in the, in the Roman Catholic Church that pe- someone made an, made an exclamation that, why don't we just drop the Bible and focus on the papal doctrine? So, that is an example. If you focus a lot on on one part, on what what just one part is bringing, you might get to a point where you begin to to see faults and begin to to rubbish other parts. Whereas you need it to become full. Those of us that play football or that play maybe pairs and all that, we know like a player would have defensive attributes, would have attacking attributes, would have scoring attributes. A striker, for instance, might not be able to defend well. 
Like, so is out of twenty, the striking ability for a striker might be nineteen, but his defensive one might be two. So if you put that kind of person in the defense, you are going to maybe lose uh, score a lot of goals in your own net. You are going to have a lot of balls in your net, or maybe you will score own goal self. So <laughs> that is it. But God's plan for us is that we should be well-rounded, well-rounded believers. So we should take all the supply that God has for us, that we should take all the supply so that we can grow and develop with them. So the point that I'm trying to make is that God is interested in what you see and God is interested in how you see what you see. Those things are very important. And then in the convention, we will see that um, God's servant, Baba Emiko, Amotsuka told us that he, asked, he kept asking, what picture is the word of God painting in your heart? That thing is very important. What picture is the word of God painting in your heart? So he gave an example of, he was asking us that if, if um, maybe an office clerk promises you that in three months I'm going to do I'm going to do something special for you. So I was asking that what would you expect from that kind of person that says I'll do something special. He said you weigh the person and you weigh the promise. So like that kind of person I'm not sure you'll be expecting a house because when they now asked about um what if you now flip it and it's Aliko Ali Dangote that asks the same question, that says the same thing that I'm going to do something special for you in three months. Um, a person has said, ah, maybe I'll be expecting a house or a building or a car. That's because you, you weigh the promise, okay, and you weigh, ah, Dangote, you can, you can still do something. But if I'm expecting a house, a car from um, um, uh, 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 like a clerical officer, you might be on a very long thing. <laughs> very, very long thing. So that, that's, that's like, then he said, now imagine that the king of kings and the lord of lords, the one who owns all the, 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 the sheep on a thousand hills, the person that owns the heavens and the earth, the, the creator of the ends of the earth, the one that, that made the worlds, like the one that owns every single thing, now promises you that in three months I'm going to do something special for you. Now, why is it difficult for us to, to believe? So, the word of God, and that is exactly what God has told us in this word. He said that um, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This word tells us that his word is here and amen. The word tells us that with God, all things are possible. So the word has given us a picture of what our future can be like. But are we allowing that same picture to get into our hearts? So it's, it's, it's a different thing. The, the word of God is settled in heaven, as pastor said during the convention. But it will be settled here on earth by our cooperation, by the cooperation of man on the, uh, on the earth. The Bible says that as we behold him, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, right? So, there is glory, God's glory. 
already exists. We are the ones that have that, that, that assignment of building long enough so that that same image is formed in us. So, and I pray God will help us that that image, that thing that God wants us to see, we are going to see it in the name of Jesus. So, I will just quickly tell us different ways or four ways that I think, that I believe the picture can be formed in our hearts. Four ways that that divine picture can be formed in our hearts. And number one is by meditation. Meditation. I know when we talk of meditation, we might think that, okay, um, we have people talking of yoga, we have people concocting in different positions and um, just taking different different positions. As pastor would say, of some ancient gods that you don't know, you'll be taking their positions. So, it's not that that we are talking about. The Bible tells us that, okay, just like he told Joshua, that you should meditate on this word day and night. In the Bible, most of the times the word meditation, meditate is used, it actually talks of maybe muttering, speaking. Meditation is not just taking a silent pose, that, no. It also involves speaking. So, for instance, when you lay quietly on your bed and you keep speaking the word, you are meditating. Now, the, the Reverend Kenneth Egan gave a, an instance that he has found out that one way, maybe if he's not too strong to uh, going into a service and all, he would just lay on his bed and just be reading the Psalms or just be reading scriptures to himself. He'll be reading scriptures. He has found out that that helped him a lot. So just taking time before a service, before he goes out to minister, just speaking the word over and over and over and over for many minutes, maybe hours to himself. That is meditation. Meditation is, it also involves quietly just sitting and thinking about something. Now, um, in Psalms, you see a lot of places where it talks of Selah, um, that you should pause and quietly think about what you just read. That is also meditation. Meditation is to the spirit what feeding, eating and drinking is to the body. If you just read the scriptures, if you just read on and on, like you just read like that, just blaze through the scriptures, I do that, I'm currently doing that. <laughs> so if you just blaze through the scriptures without actually pausing, without actually taking time to chew on what you are going through, you are starving your spirit. You are starving your spirit. Because it will just be like a case of someone being in lots of water, but he's thirsty. Spiritually. Exa exactly. Spiritual. Like, you will still be thirsty. Open your mouth. Drink. No. By, by, by just running through the scriptures, actually thinking of some, or, or without meditating on some, you are starving the spirit. So, one could be filled with head knowledge, but very little spiritual growth. You know, knowledge, that, there was a time when I was in, I think it was Fudge, OAU. There was this guy, what's his name, is it K. Dave or something? Like, he was, 
in our room. We could say the bad we can say maybe the baddest guy. He was like staying with someone there. Like baddest guy would say, ah, Kedev. He was like number one in the room. But this guy went for RCF um foundation school and was the best student. He <laughs> was the best. So like one could go through you could have knowledge, you could have like when we're in Alatune, we knew lots of Psalms, right? We knew lots of Psalms. But if sometimes just thinking about those things that we used to say then, that we used to recite, you now see that, oh boy, that these things have lots of meat in them. So if you just run through, like you wouldn't see the same results as actually taking time to meditate on the word. And meditate could, uh, meditation could take weeks, could even take months. One, just one verse. These are fathers in the faith could spend weeks and months on maybe just one verse, on just one truth of the word. So the kind of revelation that kind of person will come out with will be much different from maybe myself that decided to blaze through the scriptures, uh, a whole book of the Bible, a whole book for in a, in a city, you know. So it is very important to spend time to meditate. So, stay quiet when you can. Mutter the words when you can. The word should not leave your mouth. The word should not leave your heart. That way, you are speaking it out. Your ears are hearing it. Your heart is comprehending it. And over time, it begins to, it begins to, to form a picture in your heart. There was this, this man of God that I know that he said... It was in Bible school, too. So he was like maybe one of the top students, if not the top students. He was uh, excellent. But then he had a vision one day. God showed him, I think it was a, a dream. He saw the state of his spirit man. He said it was thin, like a bamboo stick. And he saw the hordes of the enemy at the other side. That he was so weak to face those, those odds of the enemy. Yet, he was like one of the best students in the Bible school. He knew the scriptures a lot, intellectually, already. But his spirit man was very weak. So what he did was, he took a year off. Spent, maybe see, six to eight hours every day praying. And that six to eight hours, meditating on the scriptures. Just confessing the scriptures. So that's the part of speaking it out. Just... He, he actually, I think he actually wrote out scriptures from like Genesis to maybe to the end. So based on that, he will personalize some scriptures, read it, read it. So he started doing that. He said by the sixth month, it was like a switch just flipped. That he began, like when he's preaching, like manifestations will just start taking place. His spirit man began to grow. So meditation, as I said, to, is to the spirit what eating, what feeding is to the body. So uh, that is the first way I believe the picture of what God has made you, of what God has for you can be formed in your heart. Number two, the imagination, or I'll put it the sanctified imagination. I'll put it the um, sanctified imagination. You might think that it's um, similar to meditation, and it is. They're, they have lots. They have quite a lot of overlap, but imagination is different 
in that it's like painting, is essentially what it is, painting a picture in your heart. It's just like working with God to allow him to write the words in your heart, to paint the picture in your heart. This one is usually quiet. It's, it's always done in quietness and all. So, you just, okay, how do I explain this? One of the ways of explaining this is, for instance, when you are praying, you engage all your senses, and that's actually the thought in our, 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 maybe the thought of thought thing I was going to say, but let me explain now. When you are praying, for instance, you engage all your senses. Let's say you are praying for the church. Let's say yesterday when we were praying, um, prayer meeting, we were praying for today's service. Now imagine yourself in church. Take a picture of previous services. Look at how every one of us, is, we are seated here. Look at how the service is. Having that picture in your mind, now keep praying. You could be praying in the spirit, but have that picture at the back of your mind. That is one way imagination works. So that is like engaging all our senses. It, it, it engages, uh, that, will get, that will get us lots of results compared with if we just pray and we don't, um, like, we don't engage. I don't know if you get what I mean. So, I mean, when you are praying, you pray actively. Like, you pray with that thing that is in your mind, with, with that thing you are praying for in your mind. Let's say you are praying for someone, you are interceding for someone. You have the person's picture in your mind. Maybe the last time you saw him or her, while you are praying, you have that picture in mind. And you now begin to, to imagine the good things that, that what you're praying about happening. Let's say, for instance, I'm praying for a job. If I'm going to, uh, and I believe God, I'm, I've received the job. This is how I'm going to shout. This is how I'm going to dance. This is how I'm going to. Those things paint a picture in our hearts. And the interesting thing is that our heart does not know, maybe you physically see something, or let me put it another way. Physically seeing something now, and seeing something in your imagination has the same effect on you. It has the same effect on you. I, I saw, I think it was that that sent us something, a video. So, uh, there was a man, they did an experiment. His two hands were on the table. Then they put a dummy hand on maybe his left side. They put a dummy, like a hand that looks like a hand. So, they took a feather or something. They touched his right hand. Maybe they touched his thumb, uh, his little finger. Then they touched the little finger of that of the dummy hand, they touched the other finger, they touched like that. So they touched his hand and touched the hand of the other one. Then they covered, then they blocked off this hand. So he couldn't see this hand. Then they began to touch the dummy hand, not his real hand. Though. As they touched this one, he was looking at it. This finger at this side was moving. So as they touched the dummy hand there, this hand was moving. The same finger they were touching on that dummy hand was the one that was moving. That was how the person that was doing the experiment just took armor, banged <laughs> armor on that fake hand. This hand moved. So that's a picture of how the imagination works. So it is real. If 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 your if your the imagination can help our faith in such that okay, let, let me let me ask us a few questions. The Bible says that um, if a man 
looks at a woman to lust after her. He has committed adultery in his heart. Am I right? Is that imaginary adultery or real adultery? Real adultery. Good. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Is that imaginary or real? Real. So why don't we actually see all these pictures? Why don't we dwell on these pictures? Because they are real. Not as if they are real. They are real. So why don't we dwell on them because they are real? Why don't we see ourselves actually seated in the heaven? I know the right hand of God is both like a positional place, but it, it is also a physical place, I believe. So see yourself with Christ. We are seated with Christ, right? Um, I in them, them in me. You like we are in Christ, he is in us. So why don't you see yourself? Christ is sitting, you are in Christ. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. Why don't you see ourselves in Christ? Like we are the ones sitting on that right hand or standing at that right hand. And then we are the ones now looking at the whole of creation. Like that. Or why don't we see ourselves with, like in the throne room? Why don't we see ourselves victorious? Why don't we see ourselves as God sees us? So that is what the imagination does. That, that, is, that is how powerful it can be. It has the same effect on us as um, seeing it real. The servants of God have said that, uh, I don't know which of the servants of God, maybe Baba Kenneth Copeland has said, when something happens, he's not so excited about it because he, was, he had gotten excited about it maybe months back, weeks ago, because he already saw the results. He already, he already knew it was going to take place. Baba Kenneth will say, you will be surprised if he doesn't get the results he's getting. Because he has already seen it in his heart. He has already, like, that picture is firmly in the imagination of his heart. So, they could have, he would have been saying things from, yeah, some of the things that people are not talking about now. He has been saying this since 20 years, 20 years ago. Myself and doctor, we went to their, their building. I think it's Capernaum, they call it. It's around Egbeda in Lagos. So she just told me that ah, this was where they were before. I didn't, I didn't forget, but later when I found out, I just went in. You see how excited I was. That building was a 3,000, yeah, from what I read, I think it's a 3,000 capacity building. I think they left that place in 1989. So imagine from like 19, no, maybe 1990 something or so. 90, I think 95 or so. So imagine from that time, 95 they already had a vision of Canaan land. They had, they had gone to do the, they had gone to lay the foundation, maybe as at 98 or something, of Canaan land. That long. Look at the time Baba Deboye left where they were, maybe in Ebutemeta. They went to a bush to go and start redemption camp. That is, th 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 those are examples of how the picture had been formed in the heart long before Long before it came to pass, Noah had the picture of the ark with him for like say a hundred years before it actually before they final finally before they finalized it. Moses had that picture of what God showed him. He had that picture because God told him he should build um, the temple exactly as it was shown him. So those pictures 
those pictures that, for instance, God flashes pictures in your heart, hold them in your heart. Believe them because they are real. They are true. God just gives us glimpses of, 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 of things, of our future. He just gives us glimpses once in a while, shows us. But those things are true. There have been many times that I've had deja vu moments. There, there was a time I was, okay, we were still at Castle then. I, I dreamt, and I saw that her mom, they were going out. So as mom was entering the car, she was, giving, she was telling me some things, maybe to do or something like that. She was telling me, and then they, were, they reversed and went out. So it so happened that maybe some days after that her mom were going out, I was also going to the car. The exact same words, like same words. I, I wanted to say, mommy, stop. This is the next thing you want to say. <laughs> like the exact same words. So those are, those are, that's how powerful it is. God shows us those glimpses. We should take them and believe them. I've seen pictures of St. Albans that we are, some months ago, I saw, I saw uh, the pictures, but like, I didn't know, I was like, ah. It looks like in the future, in the future. But then, some days ago, I just remembered that, ah, I've seen this. I've seen, I've seen this before. It happens like that. And the more you engage, the more you engage with it, the more, the more it becomes normal. The more, the more it becomes normal. This dress I'm putting, this shirt I'm putting on, I saw it like, maybe like two, three weeks ago. I knew I was going to put on this shirt. That was why, so, but I thought it was going to be last week. But it sure happened that it wasn't last week. But I knew that it was going to be this day. So when Pastor Na said, you are preaching, I said, ah, okay. <laughs> that this is the day I was supposed to put it on. So things like that, the more you engage it, the more it is. The, the, the more it becomes normal, the more it becomes stronger. People that they will say God showed them visions. It wasn't like they just started seeing visions, boom, like that. No. It, it will come blurry. It will come unclear. Maybe they'll just see one bit and then they will step out in faith and then it becomes clearer. There are some men of God that will first call someone out. Then when the man has now come, they will not give specific words. Like, how, how, should I, how should I put it? Like, they will say, okay, there's a sign that God will give if God touches you now, come forward. Come forward. As they are coming forward, God will not start saying more. Like, they will, not, they will start getting more information about the person. I, I think I've seen it with them, Apostle Armand. I think I've seen the Apostle Selman, too. So, that, 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 so, he's now stepping out in faith that you will get more, 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 more information of more of what God is doing. So, the imagination is very important. And um, I just want to divert again to say, you know, the Bible was saying where the treasure of a man is, there is art will be also. So the art, there are some parts where the Bible talks of art as if it's a bad thing. Sometimes the Bible talks of the art as if it's a good thing. Um, so I, I, I've come to find out that the art is not really... How should I put it? The heart is, I'll say, the center of gravity of your whole being. For instance, your spirit, 
your soul, your body. I would explain. So, say the body is a big circle, the soul is, in the, is, is a smaller circle in the big circle, and the spirit is a, smaller, is, is a still smaller circle in, those bo- in both circles. So, the, what the Bible is saying that where the center of gravity of those three things are, that is where your heart is. So, for instance, some people, their hearts are mostly on the soul level. So, the center of gravity is, um, how do I explain it? Okay, so, three circles, right? Three circles. So, if a person that is carnal, you know, the Bible says that he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, right? He that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So, this is the spirit, this is the soul, this is the body. A person that is carnal, the center of gravity will be towards the carnality, towards just the flesh. That is where his own heart is. I hope I get in the picture. A person who is just a soul person, doesn't really engage the spirit, doesn't, um, doesn't walk in the spirit that much too, but maybe he has good behavior, do the, does that one. The heart will be in the soul realm. But a person, as we are believers, our heart, the center of gravity of our whole being should be in the spirit. That is where those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. If your, if your heart, if your treasure is in your body, you are being led by your body. You are being led by the flesh. If your heart is in your soul, you are being led by the, by the soul. If your heart is in your spirit, you are being led by the spirit. So, we are to invest in our spirit, man. And um, I will soon round up. I will soon round up. Speaking, still speaking of imagination. God knows the importance of imagination. In the book of Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible tells us that God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth. But then he says that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. At that point, that it becomes imagination. Okay, so this is the process that I believe. Um, it starts with the thought, and then... It goes to imagination, and then it becomes a desire, and then you act it out. At that point of imagination, if you allow the enemy to take hold of your imagination and paint the wrong picture, it's going to affect the desires that you have. You begin to see that it's the the, the desires of the enemy that you begin to have. And by that time that it gets to the desire stage, it's done already. Like, there is no going back except by divine intervention. So, thoughts, imaginations, desires, and then action. So, it's at the thought realm that we are supposed to, if the enemy brings, like, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, any thought that comes, we have to fight it. If it's, the, if it's out of the enemy, just cast it down. Take it captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Don't allow it to get to the point of imagination, and then that imagination now turns to a desire. Whereas you can't stop it again. At this point, where God was saying that the imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was evil continually, there was no going back for man. Man was already, there was no way man wasn't going to do evil because it was already an imagination of his heart. So that is an importance of imagination. And I want to give like an example. There's this man of God. I, I believe Pastor will know him. He 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 was just praying normally, like normally, like praying. He does some prayer walks. 
he works on his maybe he just like he just does some things, maybe prayer works and all like that. So there was a day he was working, I think, in one of the European countries, and um while praying, sometimes you will just see that there are some or let me let me explain in 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 another way. Okay, so normally he takes he walks on some roads. He has gone to like um, a European country before. So one of the days, I think he was praying, and then he began to see that what he was seeing was similar to a road he had walked on before. It was similar to a road he had walked on before. So, but he kept praying, and I think it happened multiple times too. Like so, like me praying now, and then I just see that maybe I'm walking on on uh, one of these roads here, and I saw people. I greeted them. I I greeted them. I maybe prayed for one person. I prayed to one person. Happened like that. Maybe on that day was just praying, and something like that happened. So he just thought that it was like an imagination, uh, until one day he went to preach somewhere. And then he just saw one man looking at him at the back. Like, was just, that man was just frowning, looking at him intently. He was like, ah, say, he has printed the wrong message. You know, <laughs> what is going on here? So, he, after the service, the man came to meet him. He said, sir, are you, have you gone to this country before? He said, yes. Do you always take, do you always pass this street? And then he was explaining, describing the street to him. Uh, okay, that you always post here. You always preach to this one. You pray for people that are sick here. You pray for these people that are sick. He said, yes. He said, hey, I knew it. I'm a pastor in that place. I've been seeing you for years, maybe for months or years, that you've been coming to that street to pray for people, to heal people. He didn't know. He didn't know. He, like, he just thought it was just imagination. Why do you think Peter thought he was imagining when the angel came to unlock, to like free him from the prison? He first thought it was that it was like a dream. He thought it was a dream. But it turned out it was reality. So there are some things that if you yield yourself to God, yield the canvas of your heart to God, yield to promptings of the Spirit, some things that you've never seen. There are some things that we, we might not even know that have happened. And just in the midst of our prayers, maybe you are praying with focus, you are doing lots of things with energy. There are some things that have happened in the spirit, some interactions in the spirit that you may never know have happened, but they've happened. And why do you see some people who say um, they had a dream of daddy praying for them and they go well. I know an angel can take the form of a servant of God, but I also know God can use his servant that way. Without even the servant of God knowing. Do we understand what I'm saying? So, if you just follow, follow God, allow him, because, you know, I said sanctified imagination. So, allow him to paint the pictures. The ones he's painting in your heart, don't despise them. Don't despise them. I agree with them. And you will see wonderful things that will take place. So, as time is going, uh, let me just round up here and um, say number three. 
while you are praying or while you are engaging the word, while you are studying the word, while you are studying the word or praying, engage as many of your senses as you can. Engage as many of your senses as you can. That way, it would, it would, it would, um, it would make more meaning into you. It's just like an immersive experience. And God will be able to paint that. Okay, for instance, um, if you are reading, there was a time I was, there was a chapter that um, Sister Anu was reading, was listening to, like, audio Bible some weeks ago. Then I said, ah, okay. I just downloaded the map of um, Europe or Asia around the time of um, Paul's, um, around the time of Paul's ministry. So we were listening to the scriptures and then we were tracing it on the map. Like maybe with a mention, especially when he was going to Rome. So he stopped at Samothrace. They, they went to Fair Evans. They went to course. They stopped that. So we were looking at it on the map. Okay, okay, this was where it was. This was, this was where it was. So things like that. Like that, you're engaging your eyes. You're engaging your, your senses, your ears, everything like that. So for when you're reading the scriptures, if you're doing audio, if you're using audio Bible, if you read also, you're engaging both your eyes and your ears. If you are the one speaking, you are engaging your mouth, ears, and eyes. So engage as many of your senses as you can. You can look at how people dressed in those days. You just look at, ah, this is how maybe probably Jesus would have sat. And you know, like a man of God that you are saying that, um, that just saw himself, was caught up in the spirit and saw himself at, uh, where Jesus, at Matthew 24, where Jesus was talking of the end times. So, he just saw himself in the midst of the, of the disciples. Like, he saw Jesus sitting. He also saw himself sitting. And in, his, in the eyes of Jesus, it was like those things that he was saying was playing out. So, those things are possible. Just allow God to paint those pictures. Engage your senses. You know, the Bible says that it's um, people that are mature that uh, by reason of use, they've exercised their senses. So that is how to actually grow. Exercise your senses. If you don't, this atrophy, um, this principle of uh, the law of disuse, like the parts that you don't use will begin to atrophy. So it becomes atrophiable. Thank you. Uh, it will atrophy, thank you. It would uh, <laughs> it begin to become, the muscle will, will grow less the, by disuse. But if you use it, it, it grows bigger and all. So that is important. Engage all your senses while praying or while reading the scriptures. Number four, when the Holy Spirit flashes a picture in your heart, Obey it. Because accuracy comes by obedience. When the Holy Spirit flashes a picture in your heart, obey it. Because accuracy comes by obedience. So as I was saying that, I said I saw myself putting on this dress. So I obeyed. I, I, I'm, I'm still learning that. Like I can say I'm still like a baby in all those things. But 
I've learned for months, years now that when I see something, as much as possible, that thing that came to my mind or that I saw, I want to do it exactly as I saw it. Daddy was saying that when they were going to Adwekiti during the week, that it was someone that drove. He saw that it was someone that drove, and then the other protocol was the other protocol officer was in front. So I think it was the chief protocol officer that was in front, and then another protocol member drove. But when they were going, you know, normally now the protocol officer is in charge of packing all the stuff. So he took the key, and then he was driving daddy. Then at some point, God reminded daddy that, was this the picture? Was this what I told you? Was this what you saw? Then he had to tell the chief protocol officer, I think, to go into the car in front, and then the second protocol officer came to drive the drive daddy in his, in the second car, and he said till they got to Ekiti, nobody stopped them because um, the chief protocol officer is also part of FRSC and all. So it, nobody stopped them. We don't know what happened. We don't know what God was trying to do. But that was a picture that the Holy Spirit already flashed in daddy's heart, and daddy obeyed. So the more you obey, the more. For instance, you you just maybe you see that you are in in maybe on the street or something, and this was the part of the road you passed. Pass it. If, if um, like when you're passing through that, just pass it. If, if you see yourself saying something one way, maybe it just came to your heart. This is how you're supposed to say it. Say it that way, even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes by obeying, you get more accurate. The more you engage it, the more accurate you become. And um, I just want us to bow down our heads and um, take this song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. 